You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Transformers Part 2. Enjoy. And it's a freedom like nothing else. So we want to encourage all of you to just enjoy uh, the freedom that comes with knowing the one who made you and to receive everything that the Lord has for this morning. He wants you to leave here stronger than when you came in, healthier, happier, with more wisdom and insight. He wants to make your path straight. He wants to fill you with strength and wisdom, and and he wants to lead you forward into the fullness of your destiny. Would you let him do that? Sure. All you got to do is trust him. Isn't that what a deal that is? He just says, trust me, right? He's so good. Let's get into the word. Because he's so good, and we just it's just a big worship time when we're here, whether we're singing or, or, or shouting or dancing or, or taking communion or getting in the Word. We're just praising him. So we're going we're gonna to receive all that he has for this, this morning. Let's open our hearts. Father, we left our homes. Patrick's come all the way from the West Coast. And we came here because we want you. We're not leaving this place the same. We ask your Holy Spirit to transform us right now, to reveal more of you to us, reveal more of our Heavenly Father to us. Open the eyes of our heart that we would know your love, your power, and your glory like never before in our lives. Lord, I'm reminding everyone here that as we're in your presence, healing is flowing. Healing is flowing through this place. Open hearts to receive it. Wholeness and healing, spirit, soul, and body. And we thank you for ministering to us this morning, spirit, soul, and body through your word and by your spirit. We give you our attention. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been having a good time here. We started a new series last week called Transformers. We found out we have some 1980s refugees in the house uh, who remembered when this thing came out back in the mid-1980s. It was a cartoon, sci-fi cartoon, and it was a story about these alien beings that crash-landed on planet Earth, and the good guys were called the Autobots, and the bad guys were called the Decepticons, and that it, there was this epic race and battle to find an energy source. And the Decepticons would lie and steal, and, and the Autobots were trying to protect Earth's people from the Decepticons, and you guys remember the song, the words of the song that we remembered last week? Transformers, more than meets the eye. Yeah, yeah, more than meets the eye. So, you know, they, were, they, were, they were, uh, had this disguise. So you could be driving down the highway and all, you don't know it. There's a semi-truck behind you, but it's really Optimus Prime, you know, the leader of the good guys. And when he transforms, you see him. Well, there's more, more to you than meets the eye. Did you know that? There's more to life than meets the eye. Have you ever seen a, a photo of a beautiful uh, iceberg in the ocean? And it just looks like this mountain of ice and it's sparkling in the sun. And you think, man, that's amazing. And then you realize, wait a minute, that's not the iceberg. That's just the tip of that thing. There's another 90% of that thing under the water. Well, there's a whole lot more to you than meets the eye. There's a whole lot more to life than meets the eye. There's a spirit realm. And all the crazy stuff that's going on in this realm is is representative of what's going on in the spirit realm. There's a war going on between darkness and light. And what's that war over? Do you guys know? 
It's over you, right? The Decepticons are trying to keep you from realizing how much God loves you. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. But we're not going to give in to their scheme. We're going to trust in the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 3, but verse 1 says this in the NIV. says, by uh, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. How can you be certain of what you do not see? By faith. Verse 3 says this, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Wow. That's an eye-opener right there, isn't it? So there's this unseen realm of life, and it's called the spirit realm. And it's where all the power is. It's where all the action is. It's where all the answers are. And by faith, we gain an understanding of this spirit realm. Faith in what? By faith we understand. Faith in what? Ourselves? No. What do you guys think? Faith in what? Well, in the Word of God, right? Faith in the Word of God. Faith in Jesus. As John 1.1 says, He's the Word, the living Word, right? So through faith in Christ, we get this understanding that couldn't be obtained in any other way. We get insight into unseen things. Do you know that your healing is unseen? It's in the spirit realm. And faith grabs a hold of what's in the spirit realm and manifests it, brings it into the physical realm. Everything you need is in the spirit realm. So through faith in Christ, we begin to understand things that we couldn't understand in any other way. We begin to see things that we couldn't see in any other way. And why is it faith in Christ? Why Him? Well, what do you say in John 14, 6? Jesus said this. I didn't say it, right? This is not an American thing. This is a human race thing, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one can see into this unseen realm clearly but through me. Do you know you can't know who you really are apart from Christ? You can't see the real you apart from Christ. Why is that? Because he made you. Do you know religious leaders didn't make you? Regardless of how popular they might be or how big their ministries might be, they didn't make you. They didn't knit you together in your mother's womb. You know, man didn't make you. God did. If you want to know who you really are, go to the one who made you. Let him teach you what he designed you for. Hallelujah. The greatest evidence that I know of of God's love and of God himself is you. <laughs> it is. I mean, have you really thought about it? Have you ever just looked at your hands? Go ahead and do it. Just pick your hand up, move it around. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I'm a guitar player, so I, I, I grow this, these four fingers, I grow the nails longer so I can use them as picks. 
I didn't need any kind of software update to do that. I just let them grow, you know. You know? There's all kinds of amazing things we can do. When you pulled up in your vehicle and you got out and stepped foot on the cement, your feet sensed that it was cement you were walking on, blacktop. You didn't even think about it. And they adjusted. If you would have stepped out and it had been a trampoline, your feet would have adjusted, right? You came into this hall, your feet knew when you were on carpet. That's pretty cool. Your feet knew when you stepped on the dance floor and started busting your move, right? <laughs> I remember watching this show on robots, and they were trying to design robots to go, I shared it with you before, into emergency situations, into a burning house. And they're, they're interviewing the programmers, and they're saying, it is so difficult just to get these robots to walk like we walk. They said the human foot, when it steps into a situation, automatically senses and adjusts. They said the amount of code you've got to put into a robot to get it to just walk without falling over and adjust to different terrain, they said is mind-boggling. Do you know that man will never be able to put together a machine like you? Never. Never. Because you're a spirit. Transformers, more than meets the eye. You're a spirit, man. Isn't that amazing? You're a spirit. You have a soul, and you're living in a body. So your spirit is who you are. Attached to your spirit is what the Bible calls a soul. It's not the same thing. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Those are just tools that God has given us. But your mind is not who you are. Your emotions is not who you are. Your will is not who you are. You're a spirit. And you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you're living in this suit right now. But this isn't you. In fact, if your spirit were to leave your body, this would stop. Isn't that amazing? There's a whole lot more to you than meets the eye. So Jesus came so that you could be transformed spirit, soul, and body. He came to make you new. He came because there was an, a horrific crash landing on planet Earth about 6,000 years ago, and it wasn't the Autobots and Decepticons, it was Adam. Adam crash-landed. And when he put his faith in Satan, Adam was transformed from life, nonstop life, to death. From righteousness to sin. From light to darkness. And Jesus came to turn that back around. So when we put our faith in Christ, and no one can do this for you, this is something you've got to do of your own free will. But when you realize that God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son, and when you put your faith in him that he rose from the dead for you, that he bore your sins, that he bore your sicknesses, and with your mouth you say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. When you do that, at that very moment, the power of the Holy Spirit enters your body, goes into your spirit, and makes your spirit brand new. It is the greatest transformation that I know of. Now, since that horrific crash landing 6,000 years ago, there's been an epic battle going on on planet Earth. 
between light and darkness and the Decepticons, Satan and his demons, are trying to trip you up. They're trying to keep you from realizing how much God loves you. They're trying to keep you from realizing all that God did for you through his son, Jesus Christ. All that he's provided for you. They want to keep you from experiencing God's rich provision for your life. And boy, has he made rich provision for you. Financially, physically, emotionally, materially, spiritually, in every way. When you realize the provision that God has made for your life, you won't be pounding the pavement anymore to try and find a job. He'll lead you where you need to go. He'll provide for you. And when you get up in the morning, your day will be full of purpose and destiny instead of fear and worry. So Jesus came to to blow the devil's calm. And so that you and I could be transformed. So that you and I could experience the resurrection power of Christ. And apart from Christ, apart from faith in him, we really don't know anything. Apart from faith in the one who made us, we don't know who we are. Apart from faith in the one who made us, we're dead. (laughs) I was dead. For the first 19, almost 20 years of my life, I didn't even know it. So when you come to know the one who made you, life begins. There's no energy, there's no person, there's no organization in this world that can make you new. Only God can do that. So if we're going to be completely transformed, if we're going to experience the abundant life Christ came to give us, what do we need? We said it last week, you remember, what do we need? Jesus, right? But wait a minute now. We don't need man's religious Jesus. We need 100% pure, genuine Jesus. We've got places to go and things to do. We can't be playing religious games. We can't be fighting religious battles. We want to know the one who made us. And you got to rise above the noise of this world and embrace him. Because there's a lot of, lot of noise, a lot of distractions from the real Jesus. Are you willing to press through the noise and come to know the one who made you? So at Highway Church, that's our mission. We want to give, give people pure Jesus, 100% unreligified Jesus. And I'll tell you, it's challenging. You remember why we said it was challenging last week? It's challenging just to give someone Jesus because there have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, centuries and centuries and centuries of man's religious ideas, of churches teaching man's philosophy instead of the liberating resurrection power of Christ. And so you talk to people about the real Jesus and they look at you like you are, you know, Optimus Prime. Or what in the world? Where did this guy come from? See, the Decepticons have been doing everything they can to hide pure Jesus from you. 
You can be in church your whole life, your, your dad, your grandpa, ten generations going to the same church, and none of them ever know Jesus. But they know their religion. Religion won't get you there. So what we're doing in this series is, is we're going through these man-made religious ideas, and we're moving them out of the way so we can embrace Jesus. See, we're transformed when we discard man-made religious ideas and embrace the creator of heaven and earth. That's the only way you can have one, see? That's how we're transformed. So keep in mind as we go through these that every one of these man-made philosophies is really deeper than man. And the Bible teaches us about a warfare going on in the spirit realm where there are spirits of darkness trying to influence man to hide Jesus from people, the real Jesus. So, so many of these religious doctrines have a spiritual source. And the source is, is really the enemy to try and pull you away from the simplicity of faith in Christ. What do we need to do to be saved? How are we saved? Faith. How's that? Faith in Christ. And boy, that frustrates religion. Religion is not simple. We're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift. You can never earn it. Okay, so we started last week, and we looked at uh, we looked at something that uh, comes in many shapes and sizes, um, and it comes under many different names. But the whole the whole premise of what we looked at last week is this, and you'll recognize it just by describing it to you. It's a religious teaching that says because of your sin, you have to perform these certain deeds. The religious leaders will tell you, you sin, so you've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this to try and atone or partially atone for your sins or try and reduce the punishment that's due you for your sins. We went over that last week, and you know you guys can go to highwaychurch.us, our website. It's all free. And click on the podcast, listen to last week's message. We went into it more in-depthly. We could spend weeks on any one of these. There's so much to it. But it's very simple. But the, the reason that that's wrong is this idea that you have to atone for your sins, that you've got to go through these religious rituals to try and, and lessen your punishment, is because Jesus took your punishment. He bore all of your sins and all of your punishment. You can't, you can't atone for one of them. Isn't that amazing? We've all messed up. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So Jesus came to make it right again, to bring us back into union with him again, and he did a perfect job. He atoned for all of your sins. He bore all of your punishment. So all we can do is receive that through simple faith. All right? Now we're going to move into another one. It's a biggie. You guys don't have your religious goggles on, do you? How about your religious headphones? You take those off? Okay, make sure you keep them off now. You got your seatbelts on. We're going to start, we're going to walk on some sacred ground now. Okay? I mean, the religious police could be called on me for this one. But we got to go there. But before we do, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. This is our main verse for our series. 
It says, but we all, now this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to those who put their faith in Christ. So this would include us. But we all with unveiled face, there's nothing blocking our vision of God anymore because of our faith in Christ. Remember, we see into the unseen realm now. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed more than meets the eye, right? Into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So who do you see when you're looking in a mirror? You, right? So how is it that the Scriptures say that when you're beholding Jesus, it's like looking in the mirror that, that you're seeing the glory of the Lord? Why is that? Who are you seeing in a mirror yourself? Where's the glory of the Lord? In you. When you put your faith in Christ, you become His new address, right? He takes up residence in you. He moves in. And the glory of the Lord is now inside of you. And as you fix your attention on Him, that transformation grows stronger and stronger. And the real you begins to rise to the surface. Beholding Jesus. How do you behold someone you can't see? I mean, where is Jesus now? Technically, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But he's here in the person of the Holy Spirit, right? So he is here in the person of the Holy Spirit. But how do we see him? How do we behold him? How do we give him our attention? By learning his promises. By learning his promises. When we put our faith in the promises of God, the glory of God grows inside of us. When we learn the promises of God and put our faith in the promises of God, the glory of God grows inside of us. The promises of God are so important. There are so many people who have been in the church their whole lives and they don't, they, they're not taught the promises. They're taught religion. The promises of God. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says this, For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises. What's a promise? It's something that someone gives to you when they love you. Right? Saying, this is, this is the way I feel about you and this is what I want to do in your, in your life. And God has done that. He's got thousands of them in the Bible. So by these promises, uh, he's given, given them to us so that by them, you may become partakers of the divine nature. The message translation says it this way. It says, God's promises are your tickets to participation in the life of God. Have you gotten your tickets yet? I've got mine front row, dead center, right by the stage. I've got tickets for healing. I've got tickets for strength, tickets for provision. Have you gotten them? Have you learned God's promises for each area of your life? There are scalpers trying to sell you tickets. Don't give in to it. Get your tickets straight from the box office, straight from Jesus. Come to God and take him at his word. Just take him at his word. 
Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He'll do even greater things than these. Who said that? Jesus. John chapter 14. Got the ticket. I got that ticket back in 1989. I'm not giving it to anybody. But there are more. You can get one for yourself. Says the same thing. It's in John 14, 12 through 14. Who said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. Jesus, where's that at? John 15, 7. I already got that ticket. Got that back in 1989. I've got a whole bunch of tickets. And they're priceless to me. They enable me to participate in the life of God. They enable me to walk right through the gate, right past all the crowds and straight to the stage. And I've got a seat reserved there, and my seat is at the right hand of the Father next to Jesus. Don't you know the ticket God has for you is next to Jesus at his right hand? Doesn't Ephesians say that? That Jesus is seated far above all principalities at the right hand of the Father, and we've been seated with him. God's promises are your tickets to a new life, to this transformation. But you have to fix your attention on those promises. That's beholding him. Who has your attention? What do you give your attention to during the day? There's a lot of options, especially today with all of the different things, places we can go on our phones and mobile devices. There are a lot of options, but let's look at a ticket right now. You want, to read, you want a ticket? I encourage you to buy this ticket this morning. Go ahead, Isaiah 26. Here's a promise of God. One of the best tickets I've ever purchased. Well, he purchased it for me. I just received it by faith. <laughs> These tickets don't cost you anything. Well, you do have to pay attention, so they do cost that. You've got to pay attention. You will keep him in shalom, shalom, the Hebrew says. What's that mean? Perfect wholeness. Nothing missing. Nothing. Shalom is a powerful word. If you study it out, it means wholeness, prosperity, and well-being. Here's a promise. Here's a ticket into the participation of the life that God has for you. You will keep him in perfect wholeness, prosperity, and well-being whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. I like the way the Amplified says it. It says you will guard him. That's the maker of heaven and earth actively employing his strength to protect you. Commanding his angels to guard you. Where's that ticket at? Anybody know? He commands his angels. Anyone got that ticket? Psalm 91. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. You will guard him and keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind, both its inclination and its character, is stayed on you because he commits himself to you. He leads on you and hopes confidently in you. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you just to meditate on that today. Take that with you and never let go. And keep that running inside of you as you go throughout your week. You will guard me and keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Hallelujah. I commit myself to you. I lean on you. I hope confidently in you, and you're accomplishing the things that concern me. You're working all things out for my good. There's two more tickets. You guys know where those are? Where's that one? The Lord will accomplish what concerns you. You guys know that one? Psalm 138, verse 8, 
right? Where it works all things out for the good of those who love him. Where's that ticket at? Romans 8, 28? Yeah, they're all there. They're all waiting for you. So this is how we're transformed. We learn the promises of God, and we begin to participate in the abundant life he came to give us. All right? So let's, let's do it. Are you guys ready? Can we walk on some sacred ground a little bit? I mean, this, this might hurt a little bit. Maybe a lot. But it, it's a good kind of hurt. All right? Now, speaking of walking on sacred ground, you know what David did, don't you? He walked into the holy place, and he ate the bread of God's presence. That was breaking the law. Only the priests could do that, and he wasn't a priest. How could David walk into the holy place against Levitical law and eat the showbread, which means the bread of his presence? Because he had a relationship with the one whom the temple was built to worship. The others had a relationship with the religious rituals, but he had a relationship with the one who they worshipped. When you're in relationship with the one who made you, you're unafraid. You go where others won't go. And we're going to do that right now. Are you ready? There's a bunch of these. We're going to take them one at a time, endeavoring to be led by the Spirit here. What do you think of when you hear the word baptism? Water, right? Everyone agree pretty much that you think of? Why do you think of water when you hear the word baptism? I'll tell you why. Because you've been indoctrinated. Man's religion has taught that baptism is, is getting dunked in water or sprinkled with water. And they've taught that for so many years. They're so dogmatic about that. that now when I say the word baptism, people think of water. Are you ready? Do you know that the baptism the Bible teaches predominantly and primarily has nothing to do with water? Uh-oh. Can, can, you, can you hang with me here? Can we go a little deeper? Can we go into the holy place? Can we be transformed? Nothing to do with water. Let's take a look at this. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is so good. We want to be transformed. More than meets the eye. Right? We want, we've got places to go. We've got things to do. We've got a destiny to fulfill, and we need pure Jesus. We can't be playing games with who got dunked and who got sprinkled and, and who prayed this over you. We need to be transformed. All right? We're not trying to offend anybody. We're not trying to cause any divisions. Our desire is to point people to pure Jesus. Now, check out 1 Corinthians 10. This, is, this, will, this will open your eyes right here. Verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. What does ignorant mean? Don't know, right? You don't know. Ignorance, what did God say? It's uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance will kill you. Because the enemy will come at you, you won't even recognize him. You'll invite him into your home, right? So ignorance will kill you. When, when you become wise in the promises of God, you recognize the enemy and you rebuke him and take authority over him, right? Unashamedly. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant. I want you to understand God. I want you to know him. How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. 
and were all baptized unto Moses. Other translations say into Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. What? Can you guys see? Am I in the way here? Let me back a little bit. Yeah, read that again. And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, what is he talking about? Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He was uh, Hebrew. What's he talking about? The fathers, the Israelites, right? What is he referring to in the book of Exodus? They were, they were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years, right? And they got there through their own complaining and, and unbelief, right? And God never wanted them to be in slavery. God never desires anyone to be in bondage. God is the author of freedom and liberty, Amen. right? Yeah. Satan's the one who puts people in bondage. So they, they finally turned to God and allowed him to deliver them. And in one night, after hundreds of years of slavery, you can imagine of how broken down they must have been. In one night, every single one of them received complete healing. There was not one feeble one among them, it says in the Old Testament, when they left, on the night they left. And every single one of them received wealth. The wealthiest nation, I think, on the earth at that time gave them their wealth as they left. They plundered the Egyptians, but they didn't initiate it. The Egyptians just gave it to them. So they walked out of bondage healthy and wealthy. That's amazing. Only God can do that. He wants to do the same in your life. That's a type of the new life that Christ gave us. Now, but what happened not too long after they left, good old Pharaoh got mad, didn't he? Right? You can read this all in Exodus. We're not going to go back there. But what did he do? Summoned his soldiers, chariots, said, go get them, fellas. Right? And they took off after them. And here they are. You've got the Israelites following Moses, who was God's chosen leader at that time. And then all of a sudden, behind them, out in the desert, come the most powerful army on the earth. Uh-oh. <laughs> Not what we do. We don't have any weapons. We can't fight. And all that's in front of us is this big, fat Red Sea. Right? So they've got the Red Sea in front of them. They've got this powerful army behind them. Then what's God do? God comes down in a cloud. And there's a cloud between the enemy and his people. And on the enemy's side is darkness, and on God's people's side is light. So the enemy can't see. You can read this all in Exodus. It's very powerful. So that's what Paul's talking about. He says the fathers were under the cloud in their time of need. And then what they do, Moses lifted up his staff, and what happened to that big sea, the Red Sea? The waters split. It opened up. Did they get wet? Did they have to make boats? The scriptures say they walked through on dry ground. That's supernatural, right? God has supernatural deliverance for you. It's beyond what you could do or man could do. Let him be supernatural in your life. Let him do the miracles, the amazing things he wants to do in your life. Let him do it. Let him do it. Take him at his word. Embrace his promises. So this is what Paul, and Paul says they were all baptized under Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they never got wet. What is he talking about? All right, let's learn now. Let's learn what real baptism is. Nothing to do with water. In fact, biblical baptism means a whole lot more than getting wet. It's much more powerful than getting wet. Okay, I'm going to read a couple commentaries here. This is from J. Vernon McGee. I don't know if you guys remember him. I remember my grandma used to watch him on TV. (laughs) 
J. Vernon McGee's Bible, through the Bible. Here's what he wrote. Baptized, or baptism, can mean many things. I have a classical Greek lexicon, which gives 20 meanings for the Greek word baptizo. Now listen closely to this. Our translators, because we know the New Testament was written in Greek, Old Testament in Hebrew. Our translators never did translate the word. It's a Greek word. They merely transliterated it. They simply took the word out of the Greek and gave it an English spelling. So baptism really isn't an English word. It's a Greek word spelled with an English spelling. Okay, that's what that means. They just stuck this Greek word in the English text. Didn't really even know what it means. Okay, therefore, to try to say exactly what the writer had in mind is difficult because the translators did not attempt to do that. They just spelled the word out. A great many folk, people, have dogmatically narrowed down the word baptism to one meaning. What is it? Water, right? Okay? You want to hear the meaning? Some of the meanings of the word baptism? Now we're getting to the real meaning. You can understand the meaning of words by looking at the context that they're in. So we just read the word baptism in a context, and it had nothing to do with water. They didn't get baptized in the sea. They walked through it on dry ground, right? So here's a context right here that's giving us insight into what real baptism is. What does baptism mean? Listen to this now. To be joined to. To be joined to. I like this one. To be absorbed in. Ready for this? To become one with. To identify with. It has the sense of dedicating, consecrating, initiating into, or bringing under obligation to. Look up the word identify, to identify with. To identify means that you regard yourself as sharing the same characteristics and thoughts of someone else. I identify with God. I share the same characteristics and thoughts. In fact, the origin of the, of the word identity means to treat, identify means to treat as being identical with. It comes from the Latin. Are you ready for this? Identificare, pardon my uh, pronunciation or lack of it. It means to make the same. Baptism. To become one with. To absorb, to be absorbed and to be joined to, to make the same. <laughs> I've got my ticket. What's that Willy Wonka song? Golden ticket. My golden. I've got a golden ticket. Yeah. Hallelujah. The state or quality of being identical. I'm baptized. You remember 2 Corinthians 3.18, right? Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. I'm baptized. I have the same characteristics now. I identify with him. You, 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 you know this? Do you have this ticket? 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin. To be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right? Baptism. 
Becoming one with him. Are you ready? We're not done yet. Oh, boy, this is so good. Let's see if we got time. We've got to get through this. We're going to do it. All right. So J. Vernon McGee continues. Are you ready? <laughs> and all that can be meant, therefore, is that they were in this manner initiated. You can go back to 2 Corinthians 10, 2. That they were in this manner initiated into the religion of Moses. They were convinced of his divine mission. They were brought under subjection to him as their leader, lawgiver, and God. That's what baptism means. That's what he's saying. By the context of this verse, we can see what the word means, okay? This passage is very import a very important one to prove that the word baptism does not of necessity mean to immerse in water. Now, here's another definition of the word baptism. Are you ready? To be immersed in. To plunge into, to be overwhelmed by. But what you're immersed in depends on the context. All right? What you plunge into, what you're overwhelmed by, depends on the context. What does God want us to plunge into? Him. Yes. Not water. I like swimming, but I'd rather plunge into Him. I want to be absorbed by him. Now, let me read you something from my friend here. No, I never met him. But Greek speaker and writer F.H. Chase, this is what he says about the whole thing. Think of how the Greek baptizo was translated in the early versions of scriptures. In their versions of the New Testament, let me see if I've got this all right. Yeah. In their versions of the New Testament, the Syriac and the Egyptian Christians translated the word baptizen. I don't know how I'm saying that, but Latin-speaking Latin Christians, though like ourselves, they commonly transliterated it, baptizare. Yet sometimes, here we go, your seatbelts are on, right? Used as its equivalent, the Latin verb tingere. Here's the big question. This is what F.H. Chase says. What if we dare to follow their example... And instead of transliterating it, venture to translate it. And here's what they said in Latin. I'm just going to go for it. I don't know how to speak Latin. Baptizontes autos esto onama. What's that mean? <laughs> Anyone speak Latin? Well, he gives me the definition, thankfully. It means immersing them into his name. God's name reveals who he is. God wants you to immerse yourself into who he is. That's what baptism is. And that's done by faith. So surely, F.H. Chase continues, a Greek-speaking Christian would understand the words. He would regard the divide... Oh, listen to this now. This is it. This is the heart of it. He would regard... God's name, who is he? Jehovah Rophe, I am the Lord, your healer, right? Uh, Jehovah Shammah, right? I'm the Lord who is present with you. I'm the Lord, your righteousness. I'm the Lord, your wisdom. I'm the Lord, your victory, his name, right? The reader would regard the divine name 
as the element into which the baptized is plunged. To be baptized in Christ means that you have been plunged into the center of who God is. You're overwhelmed by it. You're identical with it. You become one with Him. You're immersed in Him. Hallelujah. This is our last scripture. Are you ready? Now let's read this scripture understanding the true meaning of baptism. Matthew chapter 28. Who's talking right here? Now this isn't just any Jesus. This is the real Jesus. And this is just in, in any Jesus. This is the resurrected Jesus talking. He appeared. He, he, was wrongly accused, convicted of no crime, but convicted anyway, <laughs> brutally tortured. You can get a taste of that in Mel Gibson's movie, the, the Passion, right? He did it all for you, put on the cross with nails, gave up his spirit, died, bore every sin you could ever commit, bore all of the punishment, went to hell, and, and bore the full wrath of God for all mankind. But on the third day, the Holy Spirit healed him, made him whole, and raised him up. He kicked open the door to the grave, and he appeared to his disciples for 40 days. And now he's getting ready to take his seat at the right hand of the Father. And the Holy Spirit's going to come. And this is what the resurrected Christ says to his disciples. He says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go, therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them, what? In the name. Immerse them in who God is. Bring them into union with the healer. Bring them into union with the shepherd of all shepherds. Bring them into the center of God's character and nature. Baptize them. Immerse them in the name of the Father. Immerse them in the Son. Immerse them in the Holy Ghost. Fill them up to overflowing with who God is. Let them be transformed through simple faith in me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're transformed. Hallelujah. We're immersed. We're immersed. That's what baptism is. Have you been baptized? Have you been baptized? I mean, religion gets so nuts about this. You've got people splitting, families fighting, churches dividing, saying, listen, well, well baptism means you need to be fully immersed in water. No, baptism means you need to get sprinkled with water. Well, now when you were baptized, did your head go all the way under? It didn't. Well, you need to get baptized again. Well, what did they pray over you when they baptized you? Well, he said in the name of Jesus. No, he should say in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He didn't say that. Well, go get baptized again. This happens. And they're missing the whole point. The whole point. It's by faith. It doesn't matter if there's any water anywhere in the world. You can be immersed in Christ by just taking him at his word. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. We've got places to go. we got things to do. Jesus. Woo. 
Hallelujah. Now, water baptism can be a good thing if you understand it. But it is simply something that we do to give us a marker, to give us something physical to identify what's really happening spiritually. And there's nothing wrong with it. It is biblical, but it doesn't save us. So when we're water baptized, we recognize what's already happened on the inside of us by faith. So that water is symbolic of the old you dying and the new you coming up. And that water is symbolic of you being immersed in all of the qualities and characteristics in the nature and will and abundant life of God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for immersing us in you this morning. Lord, we're not going to play games. We want everything you have to give us. We want all of you and nothing less than 100% of you. We've got a destiny to fulfill. You are our Father. No one loves us like you do. No one cares for us like you do. And we thank you. Lord, immerse us now. Lord, surround us with your presence. Fill us up. Take us to the center of your plan and purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name, we want to be soaking wet with you, soaking wet with your spirit, Lord God. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. One with the Holy Spirit. Immersed in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Glory be unto you. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.